Hello, everyone. It's Grand Poobah Carl here. Okay, I'm still standing at my big orange desk, and I just want to welcome everyone to events. What wakes you up at 3 a.m.? I have to admit, I'm a little sad. My beloved San Francisco Giants aren't in the playoffs. They have this weird thing going where they can't win in an odd year. So my big my big tip to all of you is bet on the San Francisco Giants in 2016. Okay, you got your money's worth out of the podcast already. Anyway, uh, we just got back from Savannah, Georgia. Had a great time there. That's where we had the NITS Digital Conference. And uh, Savannah, we had never been there before for a conference. It was excellent, excellent place to have it. Uh, very Southern, but very non-traditional. And uh, anyway, anyway, had a great time. And we're going to move the NITS Digital Conference for 2016 to uh, one of our favorite cities, uh, Denver. Anyway, very sadly, also, we have our last conference of the year, although if you're in the event business, you're pretty happy to have that last one come up. Uh, but this is a, a big favor of mine because it's our niche event fest. Uh, so specifically for who's listening out there, event organizers, and it's going to be in New Orleans, November 16th through the 18th. So uh, everyone out there can relate to this. Sign up now. Okay, because this is your chance. Anyway, uh, uh, our keynote in Savannah was Drew Davis, who who we've had many times. Anyway, Drew totally blew away the audience. Just an amazing speaker and probably more importantly, amazing person. Uh, you know, most keynotes, they sort of fly in and out pretty much after they talk. Uh, I think Drew talked to every attendee there. Uh, Drew's a best-selling author and does a lot of keynotes around the world. He doesn't put on his own events, but has keynoted hundreds. So I thought he'd be a really interesting guest for the show. I'm really excited this month. Uh, our uh, guest is Drew Davis, all the way from uh, Boston, right? You're, you're yeah, at I'm home in, now? I'm in Boston. I'm at home for the day. Wow. So you, you get one day at home, and then what are you playing? <laughs> From here, I'm going to Amsterdam and then Erlanger, Kentucky, and then <laughs> and then a, a really great event in Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, okay, okay. So that's the order of things. Um, I think so. Okay, okay. So uh, uh, that sounds good. And you just, of course, came back from uh, Cleveland at uh, Content Marketing World, right? I, that's right. I just got back last night. It was an exhausting week of content marketing festivities. Yeah. Anyway, I uh, unfortunately, I don't think I'm ever going to get to go back because our conference is two and a half weeks after Content Marketing <laughs> and and there's quite a bit of prepping and all that. So I get to go on Facebook and see all my friends there. And, you know, especially when you're an event organizer and that's such an awesome event, I'm just uh, pissed off. So uh, <laughs> does it, it, it's great. Does it keep you up at night or not? Really? <laughs> no, no, that, that doesn't bother me really. Okay. So, uh, uh, but I appreciate that. So this is interesting. Of course, uh, the podcast is events. What wakes you up at 3 a.m.? Yeah. And, uh, and, and the thing is, Drew, have you ever organized an event of your own? No, I mean, you know, w when I think of organizing events, it's it's like organizing a, a party, a barbecue right, right, or a, right. a movie premiere, that kind of stuff. But I've never I've never done anything like like you guys do. 
Right. Although, although you know, it's not that much different in some respects. You know. Uh, oh, it's totally but, different. Like if well, you're if you're just doing like a party for you know an opening of a new office, it, it lasts four hours. You just need to have enough uh, alcohol to make everyone happy and some hors d'oeuvres. You guys have to keep people entertained and and informed over the course of three days. That's a massive undertaking. I have uh, the utmost respect for what you do. Well, well, thank you. Although I'll tell you, uh, you know, especially a wedding or something like that, and oh, keeping maybe. like the mother-in-law separated from like the relatives and all that, way harder, <laughs> way harder. Anyway, so we're gonna sort of switch uh, things up here, uh, and uh, you know, because Drew. Well, first thing, just a little background on Drew. Uh, you know, he's a best-selling author. Uh, in in a uh, world keynote speaker, I mean, literally, how, how many keynotes a year do you do now? I think this year I'll do just under 40, 38 or something. Um, yeah, all over the world. So I think this year I did, I don't know, about 350,000 miles by the, the time June came around. Wow. And then, uh, and also, uh, Drew has an awesome podcast and, and, and you're a puppeteer, right? I'm not really a puppeteer. <laughs> you were. I wanted to be a puppeteer. I was never actually holding a puppet myself, uh, except for to transport them. <laughs> so okay. I was a Muppet Wrangler really, uh, at, at the Jim Henson company. Right. So, uh, so Drew has been a, a keynote of ours, I think, starting about five, six years ago, right. and yeah. always, always our number one rated uh, speaker. I mean, truly, that that anyway. So, uh, so this is the deal, though. We're going to switch things around, and uh, you know, because Drew has all this experience with all these uh, events that he goes to. Uh, you know, he's probably, I'm assuming you've learned a lot, um, of good and the bad and the evil. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, I think it'd be sort of fun. So, you know, maybe you can give some insight to me and all the event organizers listening, you know, as far as like, what are, you know, some really cool things you've seen? Uh, what, what is like the, uh, you know, number one thing not to do, uh, you know, sure. and, and, and I'm just going to hand it over to Drew and, you know, <laughs> Give some good experiences, you know, of you're sure on the other side as far as being uh, yeah, a speaker, but you sort of see behind behind the curtain quite a bit, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you, you know, having gone to 30 events in the last year, it, I certainly start to see similarities between events. I start to wonder what makes uh, one event better than the other. Uh, you know, why is this event uh, more, better attended than the last event I went to, which is very similar? Those are the kinds of questions I start asking myself. And, you know, I, I definitely think about it a lot. So I think there are things that probably should keep, uh, you know, event or organizers up at, at 3 a.m. Um, that maybe they aren't thinking about, given the kinds of things I've seen. Like, I, I just recently wrote uh, a LinkedIn post um, called Ball Ballrooms Are Boring. Um, and I, you know, I, it's not something that had ever occurred to me before because I speak at a lot of great hotels all around the world. Some are right. fantastic, some are pathetic. Um, but I spoke at this amazing event in, in, uh, Holland in the Netherlands that was, uh, it was not conveniently located. It didn't have any of the things that you think a really great event organizer looks for. It was in an old industrial building that had been kind of retrofitted to hold events and uh, from the minute I walked in, uh, I was inspired. I felt like this is going to be a very different event. I started taking pictures, uh, and then I started following, you know, the the tweet stream and the, their hashtag on Instagram. And I noticed that 
you know, just because the event was being held in a very different kind of venue, that right. people were reacting in a very different way. They were sharing more about the the event even before it got started. And I think I think for an event organizer, um, you know, this is something you should really think about. Can you find a place that uh, you know stimulates and inspires the audience in a very different way, so it's not just another ballroom? Um, and, and actually, I, I, f I forget the gentleman's name, but he was at uh, the Niche Event Fest you put on, and he gave right. a great speech about uh, including one of those great venues, I think, in Ireland. Or... Oh, 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 that was Benny. Benny, sure. that's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it was, it was a really cool event. They did it in like an old broken down warehouse and built a, 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 a tent inside there and had food trucks pull up. But those are the kinds of things that really do get people talking not just about the content of the event – uh, but but about the the way the event is put on, right? I, I I totally agree with you. And you know I've tried to come up with uh, different venues. Uh, I haven't done it with any of our niche events, but uh, I one time in San Francisco used a um, uh, just a big warehouse uh, off of the water there in in San Francisco. That it was cool. for it was well it was for a craft beer event so it was sort of perfect and, <laughs> so, and people people loved it so why don't why don't event organizers do that more often i okay uh i'd say well two reasons uh one is uh you know and, and i talk about this all the time that uh unfortunately most event organizers uh basically want to repeat the same crap they've done yes. year after year yeah. so because that's the easiest thing to do. You don't have to think about it. You take no risk, blah, blah, blah. But um, the one consideration that everyone has, when, especially when it's a national event where you know, 80, 90% of the people need a room, is uh, you, know, you have to make it easy enough for someone uh, to get to the event you know, is, uh, mm. for two reasons. One, you know, as far as an airport you know, and all that stuff, and two, uh, to a hotel. So sometimes you'll find places that are cool, but it's like, well, where are they going to sleep? So, <laughs> I mean, that, that is a consideration. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I definitely think that's true. I think that your first point is really a really good one that, that maybe event organizers should think about more often. Because, it, you know, one of the easiest ways to keep attendance high and is to ensure that people don't feel like they're going to go to the same event they went to last year. Right. Um, and for me, it feels like a venue change is, is one of the easiest angles. Right. <laughs> you right. know, so yeah. if, if, if I understand that, you know, a city is a different venue. So every year the conference changes the venue from a city standpoint, but I think it's more important to leverage the theme of the event to actually inspire you to go to a different event you know do you know um the guys at reagan communications uh yes yeah so they you know all of their events are actually hosted at corporate um with a corporate partner so mm -hmm. you might be speaking at microsoft once and then linkedin another time or then the federal reserve bank and you know i have to i have to say that the change in venue between reagan events makes every reagan event feel unique even if, no offense to the Reagan team, the the, the conference feels the same. The, the content right. feels the same. Right. Um, you know, so so I think I, I think if you're gonna stay up at three a.m., start brainstorming some, uh, you know, some new venue ideas uh, that maybe do fit the criteria, but really do inspire the audience. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that, and and you know, I I've tried it a couple times, but the. Uh, 
in one nice thing of not having a hotel or a convention center is uh, being able to bring your own food in. So uh, that's true. That, that event I was talking about in San Francisco, the craft, uh, it, it was yeah. it was specifically, uh, it was actually a B2B. It was all people that own microbreweries and brew pubs that attended that. Um, and what was great about it, it was actually in Fort Mason, I just okay. remember. Anyway, you could bring in your own catering. Oh, my God, you saved so much money by doing that. Yeah. Uh, because the biggest ripoff and everything <laughs> in the event industry knows this is the uh um is the food and beverage cost i mean it's ridiculous um you know we go sort of cheap and we're still paying 35 dollars for a crappy lunch and that's of course plus 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 gratuity yeah, right. and tax <laughs> so that fucking uh you know uh chicken uh lunch <laughs> is all of a sudden like 47 48 dollars wow and, yeah, and that's and, terrible I know. So, I mean, did you know that? No, I mean, I mean, I'd heard before that like one of those pot of coffees in the break costs like a you know seven hundred dollars or something. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I always thought it was kind of a joke, but I don't know who oh. it was. Maybe I think it might have been someone at the niche event event um, who had a session on how to reduce uh, you know your cost of events. Oh, yeah, and Jeff Rush. Je yeah, yeah Jeff. He invited me. He he really like opened my eyes to the realities of this. So, I mean, I I do think there are huge benefits to rethinking the venue. Um, and, and, and if one of those can be reduced costs, uh, you know, on the food and beverage side, I think it's a win-win. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so, so what are, what are some other maybe uh, unique events that you've been to or, or things that people have done that really, you know, sort of captured your oh, imagination man. or a wow factor? Or, I think, you know. um, well, I don't know that, you know, there's certainly some easy, Actually, I don't know if how easy they are, but uh, there are some things that I think make the day of events feel different. Like, mm -hmm. um, if for some reason in Europe, in Europe, um, event coordinators are very big on having a professional MC. You know, mm -hmm. someone who kind of drives the day forward and keeps the right. energy up between sessions and, you know, a personality that you come to get to know. Most events in the U.S. don't do this. They use someone like you, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, at every at every conference, whoever put it on the conference is kind of the the MC. And I, I actually have come to realize that I think it's one of the most underutilized American, mm -hmm. uh, you know, speaking tools to kind of really keep people going. And I, I first noticed it when in... Um, Oh, my Lord. I think I was speaking in Estonia, and there was a woman from Amsterdam. Uh, for, uh, no, sorry. For, yeah, she's from Holland, somewhere in the Netherlands. You know, Drew, you could say anything. We can't really fact check on this. Oh, yeah, so you can fact ahead. check her. She Well, she's done a great TED speech all about um, the power of play in business. And so she's she's kind of – she's got this really exciting kind of – premise that mm -hmm. if you played more and you did ga silly games with your team, you have a better team and you actually think more creatively. So this conference in Estonia had hired her to be the MC. And in between each, uh, each session, she was doing these really fun, like four minute exercises. And at the beginning of the day, they seemed stupid, but by the end of the day, everybody loved them. And wow. I, I had met so many more people than I'd ever met before. Uh, and she did such a great job of even if the speaker wasn't that great beforehand and you kind of are starting starting to fall asleep of like revitalizing the energy in the room and bringing everything to a, a, a different, you know, kind of uh, plane so that the the momentum of the meeting picked up again. And and I really do think that that um, 
we could do a better job of ensuring that the MC's job is more than just housekeeping and notes, that right. they can actually impart value in those five minutes between sessions. Um, and so I, 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 I would challenge, you know, any event organizer to think about who, who is that thread and can they do a better job? Cause it does differentiate the event. Right. And I, I love the professional MC. I mean, that'd be awesome because, uh, uh, it, you know, I, I think I do an okay job, but, you know, not great, you know, but it's sort of like the, the yeah. stick of our conference. But the, but the thing is, uh, you know, a lot of uh, conferences you go, it's just like you said, it uh, someone is up there yeah. and a lot of them are not good, you know, right. and uh, and but I mean, you know. I, I think it's a great idea. I it's, honestly, it's I, such an easy I seriously way to consider di- doing that. Yeah, it's such an easy way to differentiate the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in Europe, uh, a lot of people seem to use like a, a personality from television or radio. Right. Um, and even their local, you know, it's like uh, like I was speaking in Denmark and it was just like the local radio reporter who does like the 3 a.m. shift. <laughs> right. But, sure. But she was awesome. And she had yeah. She had done research on all the speakers. She, she, we had um, like a five-minute uh, pre-interview that we did the day before when I landed there, and um, you know it was really, really well executed. And I do, th- you know, I think a big piece of what I see is the most well-attended events, the ones that people have been dying to come to all year, are the ones that really take notice of these kind of continuity things. Can we make sure that even if a session is bad, that all of a sudden the energy is pumped up and that people are more excited about the next session. Right. Uh, and they kind of try to forget as fast as possible about when it was bad or yeah. if it's going great. Just keep it going. Yeah. So that's and that's one. That's great. Great. Hey, I'm just curious, uh, um, you know, by doing all these events, uh, do you have any good disaster story where someone just the event just totally fell apart for whatever reason? Well, yeah. I mean, it's always entertaining. Well, I did. I spoke at an event once in Seattle um, where <laughs> I feel bad for them now. But the, uh, the there was a terrible um, like windstorm the night before. Right. Uh, and we got to the venue in the morning to start setting up and the power was out and uh, the, <laughs> and it just actually got worse from there. So like uh-huh. halfway, they, they got everything on, everything started about half hour late. The attendees are wandering around. There's no hot coffee. Uh, and then, uh, about three hours in, everything st- seems to be going wonderfully. And again, the power goes out. <laughs> in the of the event. So I don't know that there's anything you can learn from that. Um, uh, but, uh, that, that was, that was a really awkward day for, I think everyone. Yeah, you know, and this is what's terrible is like we have, you know, these annual events, every, you know, all this pressure on these like two or three days and, and uh, you know, and, and something like that happens. You know, what I always tell event organizers is, you know, because eventually something's going to go wrong, the AV or, yes, you know, sure. something or other or coffee doesn't show up or as long as everyone's sort of looking at the event organizer and, you know, in the it. it it's sort of like, I guess, on an airplane with your like flight attendant, you know, <laughs> something goes wrong where you look at them and it's like, OK, you know, they're they're trying to do whatever they can do and they're calm about it and all that. And 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 as long as, uh, 
the event organizer is trying, you know, yeah. To, yeah, to do the right thing. True. I think everyone's totally cool with it. So, um, cause something's always going to happen, you know, at an event. Um, and, and that's just, just to be on that, you know, one thing I was going to mention to you, I stole an idea from you. Um, oh, oh, good. Uh, well, when before we did Niche Event Fest, um, uh, you know, when you were the keynote last year, and uh, I was asking you a pretty similar question as far as like what really cool things have happened, and you told me uh, I think it was in Orlando that uh, you know there was going to be this big welcome reception, but it was going to be a big secret. Yes, yes. And and you know what I took that to heart, and uh, when we did Niche Event Fest. We didn't tell anyone where the welcome reception was going to be, and it's just people are so excited about that. I mean, it's uh, so true. It's such an easy thing to do. I mean, talk about something that doesn't doesn't cost you any money, right? That's my thing, Drew. <laughs> I, exactly. <laughs> this is a perfect Carl tip. Uh, that you know, when, that event in Orlando, um, they had they had a sponsor that for a few years had po had had sponsored the open welcome reception and was really unhappy with the attendance that you know the people that showed up eventually right. so, so their solution was well don't tell anyone where you're going put everyone on a bus <laughs> <laughs> and then when when you're halfway there, tell them where you're going. And and what was funny about it was the whole day they were teasing this, and right. the whole day everyone in the coffee breaks was asking everyone else if they knew where they were going. Has anyone heard? Like I'm not sure if I'm going tonight, but I want to find out where we're going first. And so you know, attendance went from like 30 percent. I can't remember the numbers right now, but yeah. you know, to something like 78 percent of the people yeah. showed up. And the sponsor was thrilled. I mean, they were through the moon. Uh, about this increase in attendance. So that's yeah. an easy free thing to do. The, you know, the other thing I saw very quickly that um, was really interesting, I spoke at an event in San Francisco uh, put on by a company called Sixth Sense. So it was a kind of a corporate, um, you know, event. But one of the things they did really well was integrate a, um, a, a nonprofit Mm -hmm. into the promotion um, and attendance and even then the speaking at the event in a really authentic way to help raise money for the nonprofit. Um, wow. And the nonprofit, you know, they didn't just get up there and kind of do a sales pitch. They became a session about, um, you know, how they were leveraging some innovative marketing to kind of build their, uh, their nonprofit outreach. And what happened was the session was unbelievably good. The the executive director of um, the nonprofit, which I'm right. drawing blank on, she was a great speaker. Uh, and and she, you know, they, at the end of her her session, people just who had already donated as part of the fee to, to right. come attend donated more money. <laughs> so people yeah. stood up and said, "Well, I'll give you an extra five hundred bucks." And other people were like, "Okay, I'll I'll match that." So. It, it all of a sudden gave this really good feel-good moment, um, yeah. and uh, she added great content, and the nonprofit became kind of a big piece of uh, the way they told the story and, and delivered the message. So partnering with a nonprofit, I thought, was a really smart thing to do. That, that sounds really great. I mean, uh, the fact that everyone feels really good about what they're doing, and the fact that uh, the nonprofit partner uh, you know, did a great job, I mean, that's... 
that's like a huge win-win. I think that's the key. You know, I think it's, yeah. it, you could tell that they had worked really hard to make sure she, the, the nonprofit partner right. turned this into some sales pitch or their story, but mm-hmm. that it had to be about how she leveraged marketing to, to tell the message. And as a result, it worked really well. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's great. So, um, yeah, so that was a, yeah. that was a good one. That's an easy one. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's along your budget lines too. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? I, I haven't gone to any conferences in Europe. I, I, I'd like to because I, you know, it sounds like they do things a little differently. Um, and, and, you know, and someone like I could come back and do something that they do pretty standard, you know, it'll seem like amazing. So I'm, I'm definitely going to do some of that. There's another one. Actually, I spoke at a, a design conference in Dublin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know when earlier this year and uh, it was you know everybody's trying to come up with a, a good way to use a mobile app for the event uh, and I, I, I hadn't seen anything in fact they, they uh, it's, uh, to be totally honest most of the mobile apps annoy the crap out of me right um, they're hard to use I don't think they yeah. work that well right. but but at this dscoop event they decided that the the primary use of the the app would be to build a, a stream of content um, from the event that wasn't public necessarily but was mm-hmm. open to the public so you know like uh, I just got back from the content marketing world one and the, you know on their app every time you want to post something to the activity stream it also posts it to Twitter or Facebook and you know a lot of what goes on the at the event isn't necessarily what you want to share, and the, at this DScoop event, their app was un, I had never seen a mobile app used that much, and people were posting tons and tons of stuff inside jokes, and you know it became really um, just a social network for three days that kind of fell apart. I would imagine I actually haven't checked it since then, mm-hmm. but um, you know the idea that your your app could be the sh- the the activity stream in kind of a private way. Yeah. Um, I think it's much more effective than trying to get people to share it outside. Uh, and people loved the app. I mean, I've never been to an event where, uh, you know, it was like 4,000 attendees were so excited about this app. Do you, do you remember the name of it? I will find app? out. I will email them. Okay. Um, okay. So at the end, when I do a conclusion and all yeah, that I've learned so... from the great Drew Davis, <laughs> I will, I will include that. You know, speaking of like Drew Davis, it's yeah. really funny because, uh, uh, you know, we started working together, I think it was, like I said, five, six years ago. And I just knew you as Drew. And it's really funny. I was talking to someone, you know, I'm always asking people for, you know, good potential speakers. And this guy, this is like five years ago, he starts telling me about this Andrew Davis guy. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it seriously it took me about, 30 seconds talking like, wait, wait, is that Drew Davis? He's like, no, it's Andrew Davis. He insisted upon that. Well, so what is the story on that? Oh, Drew? I had to change my name when my when my book Brandscaping came out. So I, I professionally I went by Drew for most of my career. And then yeah. I wrote a book in nineteen ninety-six, uh, uh, you know, under the name Andrew M. Davis, like my my full name. Uh, but when you, if you want those books connected, when you, you know you can't have a synonym or like anything, uh, not a synonym. What are they? A pen name. You can't right. have a pen name on Amazon. They don't let you connect those books, even if they're by the same author. So I wanted the books connected, and and Amazon forced me to call myself Andrew M. Davis. And my rebranding hasn't been very good for a guy. <laughs> <laughs> 
as you can tell. Otherwise, you would have known that I am Andrew M. Dave. Uh, okay. But you, you can still call me Drew. Just just re- remember that next time someone recommends a good speaker named Andrew M. Davis, you, you can put the two together. Okay, so I, you know, I hope I'm getting the Drew price, you know, for the speaker. Yeah. Fee. So um, anyway, <laughs> I don't know how many letters are in Andrew. How many? A N D R E W six. Yeah, you're getting half price, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you, there are other surprise things that I've gone to, like you, you know, that surprise um, uh, a bus trip in Orlando. Mm-hmm. I spoke at a, an event in New Orleans for like a, a restaurant magazine, and every year they have a surprise guest. Um, and, and the funny thing is they don't tell anyone right. when the surprise guest is going to show up right. at, any, at any session or it could be a key in the middle of a keynote. And, and it does raise um, people's kind of attendance. They, they kind of feel like, well, the surprise hasn't happened yet. It's two o'clock. I was going to go take a nap, but maybe I should wait. Uh, because who's going to show up? And it's usually it's a pretty big event. And usually it's a celebrity um, tied to one of the sponsors. So right. last year it was Rob, Chef Robert Erbvine, the guy oh, who does those yeah. food sh- food shows. But I, I, I don't think it matters who the surprise is necessarily. Right. But they, they do it every year to the point at which if you're a first-time attendee, it's one of the first things people start telling you. Hey, do you know they do a surprise? Like you should, you know, you should hang out. The other thing it does is, uh, I noticed that um, they they some. It seems like in years past the surprise has showed up between sessions. Uh, so you know when when the session's finishing and and you're trying to do your housekeeping before everybody leaves the room, people wait wait show- wait. Is this when we're trying to get you to stop talking? You yes, mean? this is yeah. For me. <laughs> you're, you're like uh, Drew. The, we're out of time still, and I'm right. like no. One more point. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's at that moment that people usually start shuffling and wanting to leave. Well, they don't because they all think this might be the surprise moment. <laughs> so this. That that was a really interesting one at a food service show that I thought that was a good surprise. I, I thought it was a really smart way to do things. Yeah, I, I you know I I love the surprise thing. Uh, I, I'll tell you a little story unrelated to this, but um, uh, I'm a member, and this isn't that weird of the uh, but this group, the Odd Fellows. Have you ever heard of the Odd Fellows? Oh, that sounds really uh, odd. Uh, it is. It, it's like a fraternal order, you know, like the Rotary or someone like that. But but anyway. Um, so uh, my wife Diana and I were in charge of like movie night, and uh, so we we showed a movie, and it's like I don't know about eighty members. Uh, we also made pizza and had beer and wine and and all that, you know, made it really fun. But I refused to tell people what the movie was. <laughs> That's great. And and it was same deal. It's like uh, I mean attendance they had for movie night normally like I don't know like twenty twenty five people showed up. We had like over a hundred people Wow! and, uh, and it really worked. And, uh, um, uh, anyway, so yes. of course, I, I think yeah. building that suspense and finding a way to kind of make something a surprise is such an easy way to, to add a level of intrigue and interest in the event. The, yeah. And, and just to finish up this story, yeah. I'm sure everyone's hanging by a thread. Like what movie was, it? I want to know. <laughs> you, should, you should have it's my favorite movie well don't don't tell us yet they have to listen to the end of the podcast okay okay i that's, promise to do it a good tease wow that's incredible i'm learning you know drew is like a professional podcaster so i'm learning on the job right here that's awesome <laughs> i just got back from content marketing world and one of the other things that uh, that uh, i think 
event organizers could do, and, and the content marketing world was the only one that I've ever seen do this, but they, what they do every year is they take the highest rated session speaker, like breakout mm-hmm. session speaker, and that highest rated speaker gets the keynote slot on the first morning the next year. Um, does that make sense? So, yeah. you, so you kind yeah, of yeah, earn, yeah. You earn I, the keynote, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and what happens? Uh, and uh, by the way, the, the that that uh, keynote slot is 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 paid. Mm-hmm. So, for a lot of of uh, you know sessions, I think people, as a result of this opportunity, spend a lot of extra time and effort to put together a really great session. They really are thinking it would be great to earn the main stage next year. I'd love to be the keynote. I'm going to work extra hard. I did that. I did it two years in a row until I finally got the the keynote slot. And and I definitely I know I'm not the only one that that tries really hard. Christina Halverson earned it this year, mm-hmm. so I I think you could, you know, as an organizer, up everybody's game by finding ways to to reward, uh, you know, year after year the people, and it it does give you the speakers specifically, but it does give you a great way to um, have a through thread from from right. you know year to year yeah, hey, yeah. you know Christina was great last year well she earned the right to do the main stage she's going to have a different message and if you liked her last year or didn't get to see her you get to see her again yeah uh, I, I think that's awesome uh, although uh, Drew I was actually in the session where you were trying to you know win the key, yeah. to it be was... <laughs> keynote next year so you spent like half the time promoting like to get five <laughs> oh, no I and didn't then, and then, the other half, you talked about Prezi, so I actually got nothing no, out of it, but I still I voted. I still give you a five, Drew. Thanks, I appreciate. It. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I don't. I I think it's a great way to do it, and I think there are real opportunities to leverage that kind of thinking uh, to to make everyone's presentation better. Yeah, no, no, I think that's a really good idea. And, and uh, you know, Drew's sort of a big-time thinker, so, you know, he, he comes up with ideas like that. What I stole from Content Marketing World was at one of their snacks, they had peanut um, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, which were awesome, <laughs> which we've always had at the niche events since then. So, you you know, I'm sort of a bottom-feeder kind of idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. There's, the, you know... Um, there's for a lot of these events, um, I, I think it, it, a lot of a lot of events have award shows. Um, I know you 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 don't really do award shows, do you? Ours is like a joke. I don't think you've ever stayed. Oh no no, you've I've, stayed. I've won a, I've won awards. I've no, no, no 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 no. Yeah, you you get an honorary niche, but we do our award thing, and it's sort of a joke on these people that take it so serious and all that. So our, ours is literally five minutes of awards and like an hour of drinking and eating. That's oh, all that's we do. Good. No, that sounds better. I don't think it, yeah, I guess I've never been to one. There was, I, think, yeah. I think, I think that's the right approach. Actually. I, uh, I, I spoke at, um, an, an industry like advertising event and they they had a whole showcase of work uh that <laughs> that um ad agencies had pitched that didn't get uh chosen you know by the client so it was basically like the title of the whole uh exhibit was like the client hated it but we loved it right uh and then they gave out awards to the to the uh, to the advertising campaigns that should have been picked by the client, mm-hmm. which I thought was hilarious, and it was it was a much more fun way to kind right. of 
you know, do a different showcase and they actually had office hours. So if you wanted to meet with the agency or talk to the agency about what happened, uh, you could, you know, it would say like, they'll be here on Wednesday from two to three to answer questions. And it was really well attended. And similarly, at uh, at at uh, Ann Hanley's marketing profs event, she does a B two B marketing forum every year right. in Boston in October. Uh, she has this great idea where they they just have a separate room with uh, little two top tables, so it's just it's just you and one other person, and she calls it marketing therapy. And, uh, <laughs> I love that. So the speakers are asked to spend a half hour in the room at at a table. Uh, and people sign up for you know five to fifteen minutes of your time to actually have like a real conversation about something you know as as real as it can be for five to fifteen minutes. Um, but it's it's such a great way uh, you know being a, as a speaker you know when you're finished speaking people kind of rush up and want to talk to you and you end up with a line of people and I always feel this pressure to not be able to. I can't listen to your whole problem and I can't solve it right now. I'd love to talk about it, but can we do it later? Uh, and, and at Marketing Profs, that marketing therapy room is such a great way to do it. And I think they even have a sponsor. So there's some extra revenue there. Uh, I like that. I like that a lot. It's, it's really cool. And, it, it, you know, it's it's um, at, at the end of each session, people will say, like, I'll be at the marketing therapy room. Some people sign up for two hours. You know, if they're trying to get business out of this mm-hmm. um, and they're a consultant or they run an agency, it, it's such a great way to get quality time for them with potential leads. Right. Uh, but also give some valuable insight. And uh, I know they're very clear about the fact that this is not a sales pitch. Like you don't sit down and get a demo. It has to be about them, the, the, the attendee getting some right. value. No, 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 that's awesome. Well, anyway, Drew, we we've actually gone over oh, our time limit, which is you know highly what unusual. Was the what was the movie? Okay, the my favorite movie. Uh, let me let me give you a teaser. Okay. Um, one of the lines is uh, the guy says, um, uh, um, "Let me." I'm gonna tell. It's something like I'm gonna tell you, like you know, the key, the key word or future, whatever, and it's plastics. Oh, I, I, um, it's, um, uh, everything's plastics these days. It's, um, uh, it's with Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. And it's called, um, oh my Lord, Mrs. Robinson. It's called The Graduate. The Graduate. There we go. (laughs) So you're too young, Drew, to know these. No, I love The Graduate. Look, I went to television and film school. My film professor would be having a heart attack right now if I... (laughs) Anyway, before we before we end this though, uh, Drew, I want you to tell us about your new book that's just coming out right now. I'm oh, really really excited about it. Thanks. The book is called Town Inc. Grow your business, save your town, leave your legacy. And what I did was I kind of traveled around the United States trying to figure out why some towns were booming and others were bust. And it turns out there's actually a really simple solution. You kind of have to stake your claim. So like Warsaw, Indiana is the orthopedic capital of the world. And there's all of this economic impact that just marketing your city or your town as as a, as a capital of something can actually do. But it has to be the right kind of claim. So the book goes into detail on, on how to do that but i'm unbelievably excited about it as well and i thank you guys uh, you and diane for your help on it it's been really fun to work on and you, you've been uh, really grateful so I, I i really am excited about it and, and just uh you know the key to to books i've actually published one or two uh self-published books and um you know it, it's all about getting interviews and the marketing side and all that and this 
I, I think it has huge potential because every one of those cities is going to be really excited about you know sharing the story and and giving you publicity and all that. And but it's uh, I think anyone that uh, is a marketer. Uh, regardless of what business you're in, can learn a lot from that state your claim. Oh, sure. I mean, the book. I, I wanted the book to be for business people. Right. So the, the central question is essentially what would happen if you marketed, you know, the place you do business more than the business you do, even. So, right. you know, if if all of a sudden, uh, uh, you know, actually Cleveland, there was a whole article about Cleveland being the content marketing capital of the world. Right. Um, you know, and that's, that's the exact concept. So I'm excited about it. And, and, uh, you know, if anyone listening, if anyone's still listening, I should say, <laughs> uh, I'm happy to give a, give a listener or two a free copy of the book. So just reach out to Carl and wow. we'll send you, we'll send you a copy. Okay. I'll do that. Anyway, uh, Mr. Drew Davis, I really appreciate it. It's been a great time spending 40 minutes with you. Thanks a lot, Drew. Thank you. Drew was just awesome and, and not a big surprise. Uh, you know, I, I see Drew a lot at our conferences and other conferences, but it was it was really nice to sit down with him for 35 minutes and just talk about events. The dude is really, really smart. Uh, there's just tons of event nuggets right there and really fun. Anyway, what did the Grand Poobah learn? Well, the, the first thing I, I knew about, uh, but I, I'm really glad he shared, uh, Drew talked about ballrooms are boring, and I, I couldn't agree with him more. He, he talked about, I think it was in Europe, uh, he spoke at an event in an old industrial building, and he said instantly the event was more interesting and exciting. So I, I think that's a really good idea. You know, changing up, your venue is the easiest fix to uh, give a little bit of new life to your event. Uh, he had lots of ideas from European events. Uh, the first one was have a professional MC, uh, you know, uh, leading the conference. And, and he said it made a huge difference, and I could see that. Uh, Drew talked about a woman MC who did exercises between the sessions, and, you know, it sounded sort of hokey, but he said it really kept the momentum of the event going, and, and that sounded fantastic. Uh, this is an idea I stole from him uh, when I talked to him about a year ago. Your welcome reception, keep it a total surprise, you know, and have it at a fun spot. But um, the idea that people don't know where they're going really makes it fun, and what I love, it costs you nothing. Integrating a nonprofit in your event, you know, he talked about that at San Francisco event he went to, uh, where you raise money in an interesting way for a deserving charity or service. And uh, Drew was talking about a uh, very interesting mobile app, also in Europe, and uh, he did email me that uh, that app, and I'll just uh, spell it to you: it's D S C O O P app from Dublin. He said the social networking within the group at the event was amazing using that app. You know, I really love the uh, highest rated speaker gets the keynote for next year. It, it's a great idea. Uh, it gives incentives to the speakers to really up their game. 
And uh, last he talked about uh, marking therapy room event, which I really, I, I really like that a lot. Uh, it, it sounds like it's a half an hour consulting time between the speakers and the attendees. Uh, you get a sponsor, so you get some money. But it, it's a really positive, uh, you know, special event uh, at your conference or trade show. Anyway, big thanks to Mr. Drew Davis um, and everyone for listening. Uh, and I'll see you all next month in New Orleans at the Knits Event Fest. Till then, get some sleep. Okay, bye, event organizers. Events, What Wakes You Up at 3 a.m. is a production of Niche Media. It's hosted by Niche Grand Poobah, Carl Landau, and produced by Robin Ireland. Questions for the Poobah? Email carl at nichemediahq.com. Check out nicheeventfest.com as well as blog.nicheeventnation.com for more information about putting on your niche events.